Latter-day Liberty Podcast, Episode 20. Hello, everyone. Matt Kent and Daryl Portsline here with the Latter-day Liberty Podcast, Episode 20. Can you believe it? We're, uh, I guess we're already in double digits, but we're in double-double digits now, like... Anyways, we're in the 20s. It works. Um, For us, this is a... (laughs) It doesn't work out very well that way. But um, yeah, so we're we're excited about this. And um, what are we talking about today, Daryl? So today is actually a topic that I've I've been really excited to do for quite a while now. And I think you have too. Um, We've been been thinking about it for a while and um, mulling it over. and since we're 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 on our own with with no guest today, uh, we figured it'd be a good time to to do this particular one. So, um, I guess the the title of today's episode is "How do you enforce that?" And kind of what we're what we're getting at with that is um, how do you inf- how do we enforce the laws that we have on the books? And kind of as a as an intro to that. Um, there are two ways to look at uh, the laws and, and kind of the purpose of law. Um, the kind of the libertarian take on the purpose of law is that law is there solely to protect our rights. And those rights um, can basically be defined as uh, the right to life, the right to your liberty, and the right to your property, um, It um, to, to put it simply at least. And then the, the other, the other way to look at law, um, which is really the approach that, that most modern governments take is that laws are there to control behavior and to try to ensure certain outcomes for, for the population. And, um, everybody has behaviors that they, that they don't like, right? Everybody has the annoying neighbor or the, um, you know, whatever it is, we don't like it when certain people do certain things. But sometimes when people do those things, they're not actually violating our rights. They're just being annoying. Um, and then the, and then to speak a little bit about the outcomes, um, a lot of, especially, you know, I, I like to accuse liberals of this. I'm, I'm, Pretty sure conservatives are guilty of the same. Um, it's easier for me to come up with with examples of uh, on, on the liberal side of things, but um, the ensuring outcomes thing is is a big deal with you know the the wealth redistribution and the and all that kind of stuff. We want everyone's outcomes to be the same, or at least to be at a certain base level. So anyway, those those are the two kind of ways to look at law: either protection of rights or controlling of behavior and ensuring outcomes. The problems come in. Uh, one of the pro- I'll say one of the problems because um, outcomes and behavior attacking law from that angle is, is immoral um, to a libertarian. So so that but we're even if we don't talk about specifically that argument, the other problem comes in when you look at how you enforce the 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 types of laws that come out of looking at that at it that way. And and one thing that you have uh, brought up um, is specifically about proportionality, right? Uh, which actually, so it takes 
the reason why a libertarian views, um, you know, using a law to uh, just to control behavior or to ensure outcomes is because the reason we view that as immoral is specifically because of the proportionality, right? How do you enforce that law? And uh, that that's where we run into all our problems, really, with with uh, with with using law in in that manner. And so, so if you were to ask a libertarian, um, what you know, how do you enforce that? And actually, this this came up at work. <laughs> and I have, I had a uh, a coworker of mine who is a Bernie Sanders um, uh, supporter, and so he's he is a socialist, self proclaimed, and um, he he was talking about you know well we would tax the people more to to pay for this stuff, and uh, I I asked him you know well what about the people that don't you know it, it's it's immoral to 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 take money from people it, you know it's immoral for me to break down your door hold a gun to your head and say you got to pay for these for these services and he literally said to me well i mean they don't really do that anyways and that right there <laughs> for me that summed up like why he cuz he is not a bad guy i really i mean he's he's a great guy but he does not view it as you know he views it as once you make the law well then you know people just follow it and that is not the case. They, it, it is, it has to be, you know, what would you call a law that wasn't backed by a, a threat of violence? I would call it a suggestion, right? Like we would, we would very, you know, strongly suggest that you do this. Okay, great. But if I don't, who cares? With a law though, it, it's because it, everything is, is backed by that threat of violence. Right. There has to be some, some teeth behind it or else... Um, yeah, it's just a suggestion. And I think as we get into this a little bit more, we're going to be mostly talking about, um, you know, when this goes wrong and some of the, the, the darker side of law almost, right? Where um, not only do, do, does the government have to be willing to enforce these laws, um, they have to make an example out of people to prove that they're willing. Um, it's not enough to just say we're gonna we're gonna do this to you if you don't do this. You you almost have to you have to find a few lawbreakers and prove that you will do what you said you're gonna do to them, and and that's when it really becomes enforced. That's when people really start to comply for other reasons than just that they want to. Right? Now, there are plenty of things that you and I do or don't do that are illegal or but we wouldn't do them anyway right we're not we're not abstaining from that behavior because it's illegal it's just because we we don't care for it to begin with but the the other things that are not like that um and every, and everybody it's different for everybody um if the only reason you're you're following that is because it's it's the law then it's because you know that you know what will happen if you don't right so th- Okay, so get us. Let's get right into the into this then. So, um, well, first off, let let me start with um, some silly examples, right? When when I say that every law is backed by the threat of violence and and or death, up to and including death, um, I actually get quite a few people that will argue that point with me. But I, it's very easy to find examples of this, right? For example, Eric Garner. 
And I know, I know it be, it's, I only bring it up because it's, it's more recent and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that most of our listeners uh, know the name and they at least know the circumstances. Um, but I know it's been brought up and, and uh, hammered to death. But, but really, if you take a look at what, what was Eric Garner uh, doing? He was selling, he was being accused of selling cigarettes. Uh, they were called Lucy's, right? He was selling a loose cigarette without paying taxes. So he's just selling it to people as they come by. And so he's making a profit that way, but he's getting around the tax system that way. Well, they came in to enforce that law. Now, if you take a look at the videos, he literally wasn't, he was not attacking the police. He was pushing them off. He was saying, no, leave me alone. Get, get away from me. Leave me alone, right? So he, First off, he's not a he is not a violent guy. He is not he is not posing a threat to anybody, and yet they came in with six other cops, surrounded him, took him down in a head choke, and you know, like tragically, he was he he died from this from this encounter. But I will just say, even if he had not died, the 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 use of force in that circumstance again, I have to say. I, I don't, as, as a libertarian I, and as a Mormon, I would look at that and say that is completely inappropriate. That's, that's, that is immoral. Yeah, and I think maybe one response to that, and um, you, can, you can kind of respond if, you, if you'd like, um, is that, well, so he died, and yes, it was tragic, and yes, we don't want... We don't want people to be killed just for not paying their taxes. But that wasn't that wasn't the fault of the law or the government. That was the fault of, of those particular people who were enforcing it. So they were the bad guys. They killed him. They shouldn't have killed him. But that doesn't that doesn't make our whole our whole system of law invalid. Okay. And and I guess what I would say to that is which one who of them went to jail? Who was prosecuted for, for murder for that? Or even if it was accidental, right? Anybody else would have been prosecuted for murder. Whereas for that, they got stricter. Uh, they fined the guy, I believe, because he, he used a, a, a chokehold that was against their policy. And so it, it, at, at that point, it, and this is where, um, I, for me, I just feel like it, it, there, that really isn't an argument either because if it really was not the fault of the law, the fact that they are not prosecuting him, those people specifically tell, tells me that that's exactly, that is exactly how the government intends for this system to work. Right, right. When we have, uh, when we have law enforcement officers that are above the law themselves, then we, we live in a lawless society in that sense. If only certain people are held to the law, then, then certain people are living outside the law and that the whole purpose of law is to be fair and equitable to everyone. Right. But now right, so. I will say now, and I've heard this from people and I'll, I'll like to, to know how you would answer this, but if it, I've heard somebody argue, you know, well, I mean, duh, like you, you don't, you don't do that to a cop. Like you, a cop is coming in there and giving you an order. You follow that order. Everybody knows that. Like it, there's going to be problems if you don't follow that order. How would you answer some, uh, an argument like that? Well, that is that is an interesting argument, and and there is there's some truth to it in the sense that knowing that there that this person is a police officer, knowing that he's armed, knowing that he will use force and is trained to use it, you are kind of asking for violence if you resist them. That is true. However, it 
that doesn't mean that the cop has the authority, the moral authority to do it. Yes, you might know it's going to... So I think this is the perfect time to bring in the mafia analogy. And I don't know if we've used this. I don't know if we've used this on the show before. I'm pretty um, sure I have, but I can't remember. We probably have. It's a great analogy, but um, jump in if I miss things. But it's it's the whole idea that, okay, assume that... You know, forget about, forget about the legitimate law right now. We're just talking about a neighborhood and the mafia comes into town and starts knocking on everybody's doors in this neighborhood and says, okay, everybody, we're, we're taking control of this neighborhood. This is, this is our territory now. Uh, don't worry, we're not, we're not going to hurt you as long as you follow these rules, as long as you give us a cut of everything you earn. Um, you know, as long as you, you, you know, keep your nose clean and, and don't get any, into any trouble with us, then, you know, we'll, we'll, for the most part, leave you alone. We'll just come by to collect the money once a month. And, um, you know, and, and actually we're going to give you some things in return too. We're, we're going to protect you. Like no, nobody outside this neighborhood is going to come in and mess with you guys. Cause we're, we're here and this is our turf. And so you'll be protected. Now, everybody can see how unjust that is. And, Yes, if you cross one of these mafia members with their Tommy gun, you know that they're probably going to blast you. And so, yes, you're quote unquote asking for it, but does but you still have the right to ask for it. You still have the right to assert your authority over your own life and say I'm not going to take this. And you might you might get punished for it up to death, but it is your right and you are you are morally you know, um, exonerated for doing that. And we, of course, view um, the police use of force in the same way. They are not held to any, they should not be held to any lower of a standard than a mafia member. Right. And that, and what's interesting about that is, that, again, if you were to, and I know that we'll, we'll probably get pushback on this, but if you were to, that with that argument of, you know, well, duh, you don't do that with a cop. I mean, because you're going to get, you know, there, there's going to be problems that literally could be said. The exact same thing could be said about a mafia member. And you are saying that the mafia member, because I know they're going to, to react with violence. If I, if I contend this, I, they are morally justified when I more, you know, when I contend it and they get violent, it doesn't, it does not exonerate them. <laughs> that does not make it okay for them. It does not, you know, make it morally right. Yeah. Same, same thing with like a home invader, right? Right. Yes. If someone's invading your home, you can, pr you can probably guess that they'll use violence to, to, um, do what they want to do to you and your family. If it comes to that, does that mean you should just, you know, just kind of lay down and say, you know, well, I, you know, take everything, kill, kill my, <laughs> kill my family, you know, whatever. No, of course, like you, you, pr you protect what's yours. Now, of course you only take that as far as you're willing to take it. Right. If you think starting violence with this person is going to get your family killed, you probably won't do it. Right. But if you think that, that you're in danger, unless you defend yourself, then of course you're going to defend yourself. And Eric Garner, I don't know what was going through his head. I have no idea. But if he if he had the thought that you know I'm I'm defending what's mine and it's my right to do so, even if he didn't think that consciously, he subconsciously that that just makes sense, right? What right do these people have to come to come and take what's mine and to assert arbitrary authority over me? Right. So okay. So moving right along with the proportionality thing, right? So. That is an extreme case where a small tax was being evaded. They came in to enforce it. The guy ends up dying. That, that is obviously out of proportion. 
But let's say, for example, um, that he was taken alive, and what would they have done at that point? Well, he has resisted arrest, so most likely he is going to go to jail, right? And again, I would ask, does that seem proportional to the crime? Yeah, and it again, it, de- it depends on how you view. So if you... First of all, let's just take a, a, a example of just two neighbors, right? And maybe you do some work for this neighbor and they agree, maybe they even contractually agree with you to pay you some money for that work, right? And then they don't pay you. So there is a debt owed there. Do you, would you feel good about taking that neighbor and throwing him in jail yourself like locking him in your basement, say, taking him out of his house, taking him to your house, locking him in the basement and say, I'm going to leave you in that basement until you pay, until you pay me. I, that maybe some people would be okay with that approach. It doesn't seem very effective though, right? I mean, how's he going to pay you if he's locked in your basement, right? So when you, when you bring it down to the level of just two people interacting with each other, it seems crazy. But when it's the law interacting with the common man, now suddenly suddenly it's okay to lock people in a dungeon because they owe you. Now, of course, you also have to factor in the fact that this wasn't a contractual agreement between this person and the law. The law decided he owed them money and was going to take it from him regardless. So uh, he didn't even consent to this, right. to this, you know, uh, arrangement. So it, it's, it's different, but right. All right. So let's, Let's take this uh, um, into another arena as well. And this is where, um, again, it goes back to the proportionality in my mind, but um, let's take the war on drugs real quick. So I can almost guarantee that, you know, 100 years ago when they started with prohibition on drugs, that there was probably somebody that, you know, got all huffy puffy about it and was like, okay, so what? You want to make a law, you know, you want to ban this stuff. So you're saying like, if, if I'm using, if I've got that stuff in my house, you're going to break down my door, hold a gun to my head, you know, and take it from me, maybe hold me, hold me off to prison. And I can almost guarantee that at the time, and especially if you look at the prohibition law of the time, it was probably kind of a, you know, you're so silly. That's so dumb. You know, why would you say that? No, we're just, we are just making a law. We're banning it. And, you know, this way it'll, it'll help with things. It'll just magically go away. Okay. But then you take a look at where we are a hundred years from then. And we've gotten more and more strict until we've literally had a president declare war on drugs which is um, interesting. And then you, you, where you end up now are with exactly what, um, y- what was being accused at the very beginning, right? With, with what's called no-knock raids. And I'm going to read this real quick. This is from, um, if, if our listeners uh, remember from uh, back in episode 10, actually, we had uh, Connor Boyack from the Libertas Institute on. And uh, he, on his blog... I was reading a, a, an article of his, and this is what he, he talks about in there. So with, with no-knock raids, he says, over 100 times a day, militarized police officers throughout America raid the homes of individuals suspected of possessing, using, and sometimes distributing drugs. Between 1989 and 2001, criminologist Peter Kraska has found that at least 780 cases of flawed paramilitary raids uh, made it to the appellate level in court. Oftentimes, the SWAT team involved got the address wrong, and thus 
invaded the wrong home, terrorized the wrong family, and destroyed the wrong property in the process. So first off, you got people going to the wrong home. And, and one of the um, more recent cases um, uh, was the tragic, uh, the tragedy where the, the seven-year-old girl was shot and killed. Do you remember that, where she was in the room with her grandmothers? They were asleep at night. They raided the house. Anyways, it was a twin home. Yeah, I think you told me about it, actually. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, it was a twin home. And as far as I'm understanding, I'm going to have to look this back up. But as far as I'm understanding, they had the address for the guy next door. But they weren't exactly certain which side it would be. So they decided just to raid both. They went in both doors. Yeah. And so this girl, seven-year-old girl, is, is asleep on the couch with her grandmother. Um, she hops up because, I mean, people are, you know, coming in and that. They... Um, I guess they felt their lives were in danger and they shot her in the neck and she ended up dying. So again, it's tragic, right? But that's not the only, um, that's not the only uh, time when it goes wrong, when they, even when they get the, the address right. Um, like, uh, so this is, again, this is from Connor, Connor's uh, thing. He says, on September 16th, 2010, the same unit, uh, let's see, so that he's talking about uh, the same SWAT team that has had um, uh, actually broke into the wrong home. At a previous time, they invaded a home of an Ogden man with a no-knock warrant, which they forgot to even bring with them, to search for drugs. Though the suspect was a roommate who had already moved out, they proceeded with their raid in the dead of night. Once police busted down the door with guns drawn, they encountered Todd Blair, standing in a defensive position with the only weapon he could quickly access, a golf club. Fearing for their safety and claiming that they thought it might be a sword, the officers put three bullets into Blair's body, dropping him instantly. So again... I would take us back to let's think about what it is that we're trying to accomplish with this law. The law is you, you cannot ingest these things. You cannot sell these things. You cannot, right? So again, I would go back to the proportionality. Does this seem proportionate to the crime? And well, I would have to and, say no. Yeah, and it goes back to, to the outcomes based uh, – to, to, to trying to enforce certain outcomes with the law or ensure certain outcomes with the law, it sounds like a good thing, but the problem with focusing on, on, um, on behaviors and outcomes instead of rights is that you often get something other than what you signed up for, uh, for lack of a better way to explain it. So exactly like what you're saying with that example the out the desired outcome was to stop the use of this drug. The actually attained outcome was the death of someone. Right. That's not what we wanted. That's that's not what we intended. Um, but that's what we're getting from from a lot of these laws. So um, I think the only approach to law that that um, that doesn't have those bad side effects is a rights a protection of rights-based approach. Now, I did want to throw one thing at you, Matt, um, with the, uh, well, I guess it's more of a comment, but the the war on drugs, just while we're on the war on drugs topic, um, I just kind of was thinking that the war, when you say that there's a war on drugs, well, what is the problem with drugs? It, the, the drugs only become a problem when people use them. Or when people use them incorrectly, right? Or, or uh, har in a harmful way, right? So the war isn't on drugs. The war is on people using drugs. So it's a war on people, not a war on drugs. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Anytime, you know, the government says we're going to 
we're going to make a war on this thing, they really are making a war on the people involved with that thing. And that's when you get people getting killed over it. Right. Now, and this is, now, I, I know that we've used quite a few examples where, you know, in the end, and then they died. Like, and I understand, <laughs> I understand we're being extreme with that, but we did, I did, we did want to just point out, you know, every law, it doesn't matter what, what size of the law, you know, the uh, small tax on cigarettes or whatever, every law really is backed up with this threat of violence up to and including death, killing you, right? But even uh, on top of that, it's, what's funny about this is when you start using laws about laws for um, getting certain outcomes or, or whatever, um, you end up with all sorts of, of other issues as well, like behavior that doesn't seem um, uh, appropriate. And, and a couple of those, I would, um, well, for example, laws, well, you get some silly laws too that are unenforceable. Like for example, laws against suicide. Suicide is illegal. Awesome. How are we going to enforce that? I, I you know, n- n- you're dead now, and we know you killed yourself, so we're going to lock you away for eternity. I don't, I have no idea. Like, what? How do you enforce this law? Right. And the only, the only real way to enforce it, obviously, is to, is to prevent the person from carrying out the suicide before they do it. So, it, you've already moved beyond, um, you know what do you call it, like the innocent until proven guilty mentality, because until that person commits suicide, they haven't done anything unlawful yet. Right. So, but if you come in and arrest him and throw him in jail, you've, you've done it on suspicion that he might have killed himself. Right. (laughs) But he didn't actually do it yet. So you get into some weird moral dilemmas and do we really... Do we really have the right to be doing that to people? Right. You know? Well, and this and suspicion is actually another one of those uh, fun ones for me that I just feel like you know that's that's interesting. We can we can lock you away if you commit this crime or if we suspect that you will. That to me is also <laughs> right. And of course, it leaves it leaves things wide open for a lot of uh, uh, you know subjectivity and interpretation and you know so depending on what cop you got that day, you might be dead or you might be in jail or you might get off scot-free. just depends on how they were feeling that day, right. which is, is a pretty, pretty awful situation to be in as a, as a common citizen. Right. Well, and, okay. And there were a couple other um, examples I wanted to give really quickly. Um, so, so we've talked about taxes before, but, but also let's talk about like, you know, income tax. So there's the income tax and how do you actually um, enforce that? There was a woman that um, had a SWAT team. Okay, well, first off, there was a woman that had a um, bunch of um, IRS people show up at a, to, to take her car because she hadn't paid things. They, want, they were going to seize this asset. So she climbed in her car to, to, um, to combat this and locked the doors. So, you know, what do you do at this point? Oh, this lady's being difficult. Well, so the IRS agents went and grabbed um, some... Uh, uh, tire irons, broke the windows, drug her out, and then took the car. So that was a bit violent, and uh, that's kind of silly. But then on top of that, there was another episode where the IRS <laughs> had, they, there was a, a, um, a daycare center for children that was behind on their taxes. So when the IRS showed up to, to collect those taxes, what they ended up doing was shuffling all the kids off into a back room and then they waited for the parents to show up. So as these mothers are showing up to, to pick up their children, the IRS agent is waiting there and they pretty much tell the parents, 
you don't get your kid back until you write a check to the to these guys to the daycare center so that we can confiscate that check then you can have your kid they literally held these kids for ransom like it it really is it, to me that's just it's mind-boggling that we would think that they wouldn't actually turn to, to that kind of behavior now were these were these taxes that were owed by the daycare center yeah yeah Okay, so they so they were literally bringing in a neutral third party and holding them hostage <laughs> to squeeze to squeeze money out of them so they could squeeze money out of the daycare center. Right, right. I mean, and it's not like they hurt any of the kids, so I, I mean, we can't blame them that way, right? But I yeah, mean, probably traumatized them right? a little bit, probably, and those parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seems seems pretty insane to me. Yeah. Um, so another another one that that I was thinking of when you brought up the idea of taxes is so we have a lot of laws that um, are meant to prevent us from doing certain things, right? We don't want people to do this. So we're going to make it illegal and we're going to back it up with violence. Okay. But now we've gone even beyond that. And this is probably not the only example of this, but it's the one that I can think of because it's more recent um, is things like Obamacare where not only not only are we going to punish you for for doing something we don't want you to do, but now we're going to punish you for not doing something that we want you to do. You can't just you can't just not do anything and and stay clear of the law. Now you actually have to go do stuff for the government or else they'll punish you. So in, in the case of Obamacare, that is they slap you with a tax if you don't go out and purchase health insurance. Right. So we're not only discouraging certain behaviors now we're we're strongly encouraging certain behaviors again backed up by violence right exactly okay so before we um, w- was there anything else that you any other points that you wanted to to cover because I did want to kind of get into um, I wanted our conversation to, to kind of steer towards you know okay well great these these laws are kind of silly and you know they're backed up they're they're not proportional and and they're backed up by violence but but how do you take care of it because like you said you know the if somebody is being annoying or if somebody is doing something that is really the the society doesn't like how how do we handle that situation right yeah so I wanted to kind of get into how the free market actually handles that but did you have any other examples that you wanted to throw out there before I moved on um, yeah, maybe just, just one more, uh, quickly. Um, and, and that I kind of wanted to tackle one of these, one of these kind of tough and sticky issues, especially for Latter-day Saints. Um, for Latter-day Saints, uh, the abortion topic is a, is a big deal to us. Um, and, and rightfully so. And, um, abortion has become a, a major problem, um, in, in, in our country. And, um, and, and it's a, it's a very sad thing. Um, because we view abortion as being so wrong and, um, and, and as Latter-day Saints, we have very strong feelings about that. It's very easy for us to then jump to, well, then the government must prevent this from happening. But, and again, I'm, I'm not necessarily even advocating that the government shouldn't have some role to play in preventing abortion. In certain cases, maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't. Um, I I think about this a lot because it's a it's actually a tough one for me. But if nothing else, I would like to at least um, help people understand that 
what they are saying when they say we need a law against abortion. What you're actually saying is that we are willing to threaten and potentially even use violent force to stop a mother from, from, from aborting her baby. Now, if we're okay with that and we think that's a, a, a righteous use of, of force, you know, I think that's a discussion we can have and, and that's a legitimate discussion. But it's not as simple as make it illegal and then people will stop doing it. It is much more complex than that, and we need to understand um, all of the effects, all of the um, the unwanted consequences of making a law against something, even making a law against something as awful as abortion can be. Right. No, exactly. And that's, again, it goes back to um, the example of suicide as well, right? So if you use force against this mother and you end up killing her, you have, in effect, also killed the child. So... You know, it, it's one of those where it's like, like you said, it's it's very complex. It isn't just, you know, well, there should be a law against that and, and then it would go away. It's, yeah, let's let's think about the complexities that go into this. All right, so if if we are advocating for less laws against certain behavior and all this stuff, um, how do you end up, um, you know, taking care of some of these issues in um, in a way that is is not is without the violence, right? That it is more proportional, right? Um, and uh, most people don't want to live, for example, in a neighborhood where everybody's doing drugs everywhere, right? Where people are hanging out on the corners doing drugs, and and uh, uh, or where people are walking around in the nude. Or uh, I'm just trying to think of you know any any sort of these annoying behaviors that that aren't necessarily directly violating your rights, but they are certainly um, infringing on your ability to to be happy living in that area, right? <laughs> um, yeah, how, how does the free market solve that? And I think the 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 biggest um, the biggest way that it does is through the protection of a particular right, which is property rights. And again, and protection of property rights would be a legitimate use of law because that is an actual unalienable right and, um, and even a God-given right. And um, so once you bring it back to a private property scenario, you can see how that problem could be solved very easily. You have uh, a, a group of, of neighbors that all get together with conjoining properties and they decide, well, we don't. I don't allow drugs on my property. You don't allow drugs on your none of none of us allow drugs on our own property. So now we have a whole block of people that don't allow drugs on their property. And so not only am I going to kick a drug user off my property and say you're going to have to do that somewhere else, buddy. He's going to get kicked off of all your neighbor's property too, and he's going to have to go do that somewhere else where it's not going to bother you, right? Yeah. And this can I think this type of approach can actually solve a lot of problems and and I think what you'll what I imagine this ends up like is that you end up living near people that have similar views that you do, that that view these things in a similar way. And so, I mean, there's a reason why there are nudist colonies, right? Because they're all okay with it. <laughs> right. And so they can go over there and, and do it over there. But we don't want people walking around nude around us. And so it's very easy to, to prevent that and have that be done in a way that doesn't adversely affect uh, people who don't like it. Right. And and this goes back to a comment that uh, one of our previous guests, um, Jeffrey Tucker, made 
Uh, speaking of, of uh, Atlantic City, right, where they, the whole city is, I mean, it's a huge area of privately owned property. All the roads are privately owned and everything. So the police act different, but there's always, there's always that sense, again, of, like you said, you know, they actually have more, st like, stricter rules than the law even dictates. But why, the reason why that actually is, is legitimate and it works is, like you said, it is not that I am going to seek you out take you into custody and take your belongings if you do these things. It is, if you're going to do those things, you are not welcome here. You must leave. But that ability to exit is always there. And this, I guess, I'm going to point out really quickly that using these laws for these kinds of behaviors actually incentivizes the police to catch people doing these things. So it does not become a prevention. It becomes, I want to catch you doing this because... I can fine you for it, and I get the money for that fine. And this is where we've seen this with um, with uh, the war on drugs as well, uh, civil asset forfeiture. I would love to get Connor Boyack on here talking about that. It is crazy what they are taking from people, um, and, and you don't ever see your property again. Uh, so they'll seize your property, all these things. But the the incentive does not become one of prevention. It becomes one of catching you doing it so that they can expropriate either property or money or whatever from, from you, right? And so if you were to... Um, Real quick, uh, another example of uh, the free market handling this kind of thing, and I, I really like this I, uh, this this example. But um, you know those really like annoying calls that you'll get, like telemarketers or um, or scammers, even you know sc people with a scam trying to, to to weasel money out of you. Well, they have the government saw this as a problem, so they came in with the 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 uh, the uh, what is it the no call list or whatever the. Anyways, you give your phone number to the, the government, they put it on their list and they say, okay, you can't solicit to these people, right? And the, and the companies all get that list and so then they know, okay, we, we can't go to these people. Well, that doesn't help you with any scammers because they don't care, like they're not looking, you know, well, who is it legal for me to go and scam? Like it, it doesn't matter to them, they're gonna call the number anyway. So we still get these annoying phone calls all the time. And so there's actually a, an app for your phone that you can get. It's called, um, hold on. Mr. Phone, I believe, is what it's called. Um, anyways, that app, you, you install it on your phone, and they, have, they use their database that they're, that's building up all the time with, with user input for numbers that are you know, either scams or solicitors or whatever, and then it'll automatically block that number from your phone. The beauty of this is that there are over 10 million downloads of this app. So you know they've got a really good network. So it's not like I can go in and say, okay, you know, um, my ex-girlfriend, I, I can't stand her, so I'm going to put her number on there to, to be a, a jerk. Well, it ha there's a threshold that they, you know, that it has to get to and then, and then that'll end up on the, on the, on the actual list. Uh, before that, it's just, you know, they, they don't actually block every number that, that's put in there. But, but they, it has been so stinking effective and it's something, it is a need that has arisen even though there is already a law on the books that, you know, you can't call these, these numbers uh, because of whatever. It's literally the free market stepping in and, and filling in the gaps of, and actually doing prevention rather than, you know, like the government is incentivized to do of catching you so that they can give you a fine. Right. And there's a lot of examples, uh, I'm sure that we could talk about. Um, another one that just kind of came to mind of, of a place where there, there was a gap in the law. And so the free market filled it is, um, things like, like quality control of various businesses, right? I mean, nobody likes to go to a business and, um, get, feel like they got totally ripped off and, 
and paid all this money and they didn't they kind of just did the service halfway and it, it wasn't very good quality well you've got c- companies like uh the I don't know what the name of the company is but the the Gephardt approved guy right, in Utah right. right like um he puts his stamp of approval on a company and that means you know that carries some weight because people trust his opinion on this and you know uh, and I've heard that that's actually gone downhill a little bit lately and people are realizing <laughs> that the Gephardt approved thing doesn't mean as much as it used to but that's a now a known thing and so you know now he's losing business because he's not doing that company's not doing their service correctly anymore. But, and you've got like the Better Business Bureau, you know, things like that, where, um, sure, there are laws about how you, you can't totally rip people off and not do what you, what they paid you for and stuff. But that, it's not, that's not working. That's not good enough. These types of, and the fun part about it is these types of solutions that the free market is coming with are completely nonviolent. Yes. And that's the best part about it. And I was also thinking earlier when you were talking about how, laws are actually stricter in private private property scenarios there's a very good reason why they're stricter it's because the law doesn't have to work for everybody it doesn't have to be the lowest common denominator okay we can all live with this i mean yeah it stinks cuz some of you don't like this law but we can kind of all deal with this law right well in a private property scenario that doesn't matter you, you make whatever stinking law you want about your own property. As long as you're not violating somebody else's rights, then you're fine. And you can make those laws as strict as you want to, but it's not gonna, it doesn't mean the guy next door has to make the exact same strict laws. And so um, you can live where you want to live and be around the laws you want to be around, and every, everybody's happier, right? No, exactly. Exactly. So, well, anyways, I'm going to wrap us up there. We, we're, we're already over time, but again, like, um, you know, like Daryl said, we've, we've been thinking about this topic for a long time. We, I'm really glad that we've actually finally get, got to, to cover it. Um, but again, just as a reminder, you know, when we think about what laws we should make, just take it back to what are we okay with, with the law enforcers using violence up to and including death to enforce, you know? So for me, Taxes on cigarettes, not so much, but, you know, um, outlawing like rape. I'm totally fine with the, po- with the cops or anybody using, you know, deadly force in, in order to, to stop that from happening. So uh, keep that in mind next time you hear anybody say, you know, well, that should be against the law. Just take it back to, to the fundamentals. But anyways, we will, uh, we really do appreciate you joining us again this week. And uh, we will talk to you again next time. See you, folks. <laughs>